Please join me in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We wait so often. And then we hurry up. And then we wait some more. We get frustrated when that person in the line ahead of us at the store has a problem with her credit card, which causes us to wait longer. And then we wait for medical tests that the results may leave a permanent change on our outlook of life. And we wait. We wait for the guests to arrive. We wait for our carpool driver, our children to get off the bus, our spouse to get home from work. We wait. Through all the different types of waiting that you did this week, I wonder, was there any point in your waiting that you thought about waiting for the return of Jesus? Did anyone, did anybody stop at any point this week and say, I wonder if Jesus will come today? A number of years ago, soon after I moved to Lancaster, I visited the Ephrata Cloister. And one of the things besides the pillows that left a mark on my memory is that that group of people as a community of faith of believers, would wake up at every night at midnight to gather in their chapel and to sing and to pray and to wait and to watch for Jesus' return. Because they believed, based on the scriptures, that he would come like a thief in the night. And so they wanted to be ready. And so this group of believers, every single night, would get up disturb their sleep, get up from 12, and then about when 2 a.m. came, they were like, I guess it's not going to happen tonight. And they would go back to bed for, I think, like another three hours because then they'd get up at 5 or some other ungodly hour. Um, but, but it just, I mean, can you imagine having that kind of lifestyle that every single night you set your alarm. I'm sure at a certain point they didn't have to set their alarms anymore, that they just got up. But they gathered waiting for Jesus. Well, today, the first Sunday of Advent, and it seems appropriate, as we have done so well already in our worship, to talk about waiting. And after all, part of the joy of Advent is the anticipation. There's something fun about anticipating an exciting event, the preparation for this climatic event in our year, Christmas Day. And yet today's scriptures, when Mim and Sue read them to us, catch us a bit off guard. Because when we think of Advent, we, well, at least I typically think of the pregnant young Virgin Mary and then Elizabeth and her unexpected pregnancy and the visitation and all of these these unexpected things, and, and today's scriptures 
don't create that joyful, majestic scene of love and waiting and anticipation of a baby's birth. And instead, we find actually apocalyptic scenes and warnings and reprimands from Jesus himself. It, it frankly is a bit disturbing that during a time of year when we finally hear the world calling for peace on earth and festivities and joy, that the texts call us to ponder things that seem more suited for something we might see at a movie theater or perhaps on a bumper sticker or perhaps in a best-selling book from the Left Behind series. And even though the apocalypse is indeed part of our Christian faith, I personally feel, and I would guess that a lot of you feel, a bit uncomfortable with such imagery of the future. Honestly, I'd rather skip right over today's passage from Matthew. And instead, as Kate Huey writes, concentrate on the main message of the Gospels, which, of course, is love. God's love and God's command to love one another and the sweet little baby who is coming soon as the promise of love and peace and goodness and snowflakes and jingle bells and chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Okay, I, I mean, honestly, I, I'd much rather go the route of peppermint hot chocolate and soft Christmas carols playing on a stereo than the message of, an uncom- un- of uncomfortable apocalyptic terrors. But these texts are part of our story. They are part of not only the Advent story, but they are a part of our Christian story. And to ignore them and only embrace the baby born in Bethlehem would mean to ignore the larger picture of the gospel, the larger promises of God found throughout the Bible. Because this baby, for whom we are waiting to come, has in fact already come into the world and into our lives today and tomorrow and every day from here on out. And to miss that reality would be to miss the big picture of the purpose of this Christian faith, our salvation. Our tendencies during Advent, I've I've noticed, are that we are busy waiting for a celebration from our past. And sometimes living in the past isn't always so good. Sometimes it's a lot easier to live in the past, especially because we often know how the story will end. We know this story will end with the happy little baby in the manger all swaddled up. It's always easier to remember our own experiences. And funny, isn't it, how when you look back on your own experiences, Isn't it interesting in those important events in our lives? Isn't it interesting how we often don't remember the negatives, whether it's remembering high school or your college days or your childhood or the birth of your son or daughter or your wedding. You don't remember the labor pains. You don't remember the tests that you failed. You don't remember the the details, the stress going into the event. Most of the time, fortunately, we usually remember the joy. But living in the past does not allow us to embrace 
the present or the future. And so we also need to be celebrating the present and anticipating our future, our futures as Christians, with excitement and joy. And so today, our first Sunday of Advent, we're not going to focus so much on the story of the past, but on a story of our future. Now, this doesn't necessarily come as any surprise to us. After all, I'm hoping that some of you will receive a Christmas card this season that says peace on earth. Now, if nothing, that represents a hope for the future. And it definitely is a hope that God has for this world and we believe will indeed someday happen. But come on. Even that hope seems pretty difficult to believe in, to truly imagine it will indeed come. It's easier on an Advent Sunday to think back and imagine backward rather than forward as to what is to come. Any history teacher will tell you that one of the purposes of looking at our past is that it teaches us lessons. We remember who we were and who we are as a people, where we've come from. And looking at our past as Christians isn't all bad because we see over and over and over again who God is and how God works and that God works in the world through incredibly unexpected, ordinary people. And it helps us create a trust in God in the most unexpected, ordinary things today, that God is at work. And it is through faithful people who paid attention to God that God's story begins to unfold. But first, a story. The anticipation had been building for a long time. Neighbors talked excitedly to each other about the coming event. It is the topic of discussion around dinner tables everywhere. At coffee shops and cafes, people talk of little else. The media covered it every second of the day. Internet search engines are swamped with queries. The night before, we set out all of our newspapers on the table, looking through, comparing items, looking at options. We make our lists. We plan our route. Which will be the best way to get there with the least amount of traffic? What time do we need to leave in the morning or in the middle of the night? Every household has a plan in place. We set our alarms for early and... Well, actually, the word early doesn't really even seem appropriate. This hour is better defined as ungodly. But we set our alarms for 2.30 a.m., having barely digested our food from the day before. We try to fall asleep, hoping that we will indeed get at least enough rest in these few hours of sleep so that we have the energy we need for the big day for the journey ahead, for the activity, the crowds, the rush, the excitement, the pleasure of finding the things we've been looking for, that we've been waiting for, anticipating for months. Our alarms go off, and we tumble out of bed right into our cars. We had prepared ourselves for the conflict. 
We assumed there would be harsh words, rudeness, elbows digging into ribs, many hands grasping for the same thing, and we'd be right there in the thick of it, shoving and crowding, boxing them out with the best of them, because we couldn't face the disappointment of going away empty-handed. When we arrived, the surprises began. There were no car horns honking, no people stealing parking places from one another, and and in fact, I noticed a lot of -of out-of-state license plates. And the people walking past us as we got out of our car looked like that they had come, well, not just from all over the county, but, but all over the world. We heard laughter and, and even people calling out to one another. We finally get up to the front of the line. And then we realize that there hasn't been much of a line at all. In fact, there has been no fidgeting, no impatient people, no rude folks, no toes getting trampled. Instead, we find ourselves not alone by any means, but surrounded, surrounded by people from all over, not just Lancaster County, but all over the world. Wow, these people got up really early. And instead of elbows flying and doors are, doors are being opened for each other. And I could be wrong, but, but I thought I heard Arabic. And the people next to me, as we walked up, they were Asian. I saw older people being helped along by teenagers. I saw men and women who looked like they had been living on the street, but their eyes weren't looking down at the pavement. They were filled with anticipation. Suddenly... There, the item we had been eyeing for weeks, for months, the perfect thing that will make our holiday complete. There is the house of God. The prophet Isaiah tells us what that day will be like when all of our focus will be on our arrival at the house of God. It's a story of the future offered to us by Isaiah, and one that creates a sense of anticipation. And so this week, I challenged myself every day to spend each day thinking and expecting that Jesus just might come today. And it's something I challenge you to do this coming week. What is it like to get your mind set for that? And I'll tell you, it was hard. Part of it was because I'm not sure I honestly believed that it might happen. And honestly, I tried each day to believe that today, maybe today, Jesus would come. And I was shocked that when I would wake up each morning, I was a little tired and a little disappointed. You mean I have to do this another day? 
Yet just like Jesus intended in the Gospel of Matthew, I I actually felt a wake-up call of a new thing. Jesus isn't talking in the Gospel of Matthew to the oppressed or to the rich or to the Pharisees or to the disciples specifically. Jesus is talking to those who are sleepy. It didn't matter to Jesus if you were the richest or the poorest, the brightest or the slowest, the most outgoing or the shyest. Jesus was talking to those who were sitting on their bum, waiting for the world to pass them by and believing that nothing will change anyway, so why would we bother? Today doesn't look any different than yesterday, and so why should I expect tomorrow to be any different than today? Jesus was trying to tell us that such a view of the world causes us to get, as Peter showed, very, very bored, very, very sleepy, and very, very lazy. And in our sleepiness, we can easily miss God, and perhaps even miss God coming into our lives. It is, after all, how God often wakes people up, that we see God's kingdom come into being. How many times in the Bible does God or one of God's angels speak to people in their dreams at night, waking them up in their current life situation, saying, I've got something better for you, something different. Samuel, Samuel, wake up. Jacob, I'm going to wrestle with you so you know what's going on. Or Jacob's son, Joseph, the dreams that he saw that changed his life and the life of his people, the Virgin Mary, Paul, and and so many of us. In fact, how many of you keep a pen and paper beside your bed because some of your best thoughts come at night, in the middle of the night, and you know that if you don't write them down, you'll forget about them in the morning? I've... About six years ago, I finally gave in, and I just keep it there and because I need it. It's so often, in fact, that my sermons will come to me in the middle of the night when I've been pouring over them during the day and nothing comes. We can't plan on God's timing in our lives. The good and the bad happen not necessarily when we would have scheduled it. We all know that. Mary Hinkle Shore says that, quote, whether God's advent is unpredictable as a heart attack or as unpredictable as falling in love, either way, you know you are not in control. We may never know when God will be waiting around the next corner, the next day or the next hour. And as we reflect back on our lives we see that in crazy ways, unexpected ways, God was with us, entering our lives, often when we least expect it, but when we needed it. Thomas Long writes, each unexpected meeting, each moment of holy surprise is but an anticipation of the great climax of all human history and longing when the world, seemingly spinning along in ceaseless tedium, will find itself gathered into the extravagant mercy of God. So perhaps our waiting is not so bad after all. Maybe, as Peter reminded us, our waiting can have value. 
And maybe we should not be as impatient as we often feel when we're in a rush at the grocery store and the sign clearly says 10 items or less and the person ahead of us clearly has 20 items or more. It is easier, I admit, to make our shopping list, bake our cookies, decorate our houses, and feel overwhelmed with all the activities this time of the year than it is to live with the anticipation of an unknown event of unfathomable proportions such as Jesus' second coming. It's hard to wait. The early Christians waited for years They lived every day with this real anticipation of the coming of Christ. When they read the promises in the Hebrew scriptures, when they read from the prophets, they believed that the promises seemed real enough, that the reign of God seemed very close at hand. And daily they would pray, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven because they anticipated that happening in their own life. And now, some 2,000 years later, our sense of anticipation has diminished. Sometimes a group of people will create urgency and they will announce an end-of-times date, according to the Mayan calendar or some other created date book. Despite lots of predictions and specific dates, we still don't know when Jesus is coming. And it doesn't appear through scripture that Jesus knew then either when his time would come. So why do we set ourselves up for the letdown that Christians for thousands of years have experienced, especially when the vision that Isaiah promises seems so very impossible? We have had enough disappointments in our lives already. Why on earth? Would we want to be reminded of more disappointments? Jesus says we need to wake up our sleepy heads, not because God wants us to be disappointed again and again, but because in the end of the Isaiah text, Isaiah offers not only a vision of global transformation, but an invitation to live toward that day. And that invitation is to live that way today. Come, Isaiah says, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. As people of faith, we believe that a new and longed for reality will take hold someday. We don't circle a specific date on our calendars. Instead, we mark each day with hope. In the meantime, there is power in walking in God's light now, one step at a time. Today's scriptures should not be taken as admonitions or imperatives, but rather as an invitation to the promises of God for the world and for each of us. We move towards God's future by making choices that reflect the light, personal relationship political, communal, financial. We must trust that the light will indeed illumine our path one step at a time. And during this Advent time, may we open our eyes to the future, to the promises of God.
And may we keep reaching for that light. Amen.